What's going on, people? Uh, this is Brian Meadows back with another episode of the Angry Pastor podcast. Um, I had to let that last podcast breathe a little bit because I got so many texts, so many emails, uh, so many inboxes about just how raw, how real, and how right um, I was. So many people really uh, kind of connected, and so many people um, really felt where I was coming from uh, on that Creative Crabs podcast. Um, and again, I wasn't kind of casting any aspersions. I wasn't kind of throwing any shade. Uh, I, it wasn't a subliminal um, uh, podcast. I didn't have anybody in mind when I was talking about it because I think it's an epidemic uh, within a creative culture, within a social media age. Uh, we're constantly borrowing, sampling, um, and, 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 and that's par for the course. And like I said in that, the last podcast, within the realm and sphere of artistry uh that's going to happen and so we understand that we know that uh but when it's deliberate and when you kind of leverage your relationships or covenants just for the uh uh just for content then that can be a bit corrupt and so i wanted to really address that because that was heavy on my heart uh but there's something else that i wanted to address um again uh we call this the angry pastor podcast you could probably call this the sad pastor podcast but i'm gonna be a, a little angry as well um but i'm actually uh dealing with a little bit of a loss not a little bit of a loss a lot of bit of a loss i lost my auntie uh over the weekend and uh our church was celebrating seven years of ministry seven years of building seven years of planting and we were having just a phenomenal phenomenal time and during the evening service with pastor ty tribbett i found out i actually didn't find out until after the service but i found out after the uh after the service that my um my auntie had died and and again who Whoever breaks the news to you uh, that somebody has passed away, they already have a hard job, right? Uh, and my little brother had that job. Sometimes I feel like he likes those types of uh, those types of jobs. I really think my brother should be a mortician. Maybe I should talk to him about that because he really has this real kind of stoic type of. He doesn't have a soul. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but I, I really think that he should be a mortician because uh, he came up to me like a doctor who just lost a patient said, "Oh, did you hear?" Did I hear what? Did you hear Auntie Sand died? And literally, Ty, Tri Ty Tribbett is getting in my car. We're about to go uh, and party. We've just had a phenomenal service, a phenomenal night, um, a phenomenal time of celebrating. And we about to go just rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Um, and uh, I get hit with this news. And immediately... Um, of course, my brain and my heart goes into overdrive. Uh, this woman of God, I've known her. I've known her since I was born, since I was a baby. She's actually my great aunt. She's my mother's aunt. So she's my grandmother's sister. And uh, she was like one of my grandmothers. She was like one of my aunties. Um, she was probably the meanest. And mo I mean, we, were, we were afraid of her. Nobody wanted to go to her house when we were young uh, because we were afraid of this lady. She was stern. She was honest. If you look dirty, she'll be like, why you look dirty? If you stunk, she'll say you stink. Like she was very, very honest, but she kept us on point. Uh, she held a very, very high standard and she taught us quality control. And uh, I'm going to miss her. I did have the opportunity to see her a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, when I first found out that she was sick and we went and uh, saw her. And honestly, 
I began the, the grieving process then. I didn't start grieving when she passed away. I started grieving when I saw that she was kind of um, out the door. And me thinking about this and reflecting on this really kind of uh, made my heart go out, go out to pastors because we have to constantly deal with grief over and over and over again. Um, and I don't think, you know, I don't think many times we talk about it. I don't think we talk about the emotional and mental strain uh, that it takes on pastors to be with, uh, to be in an occupation where you have to constantly deal uh, with grief. But I wanted to take a, a moment and talk about uh, grief and talk about uh, how pastors have to uh, deal with this excruciating cycle of getting new people and letting people go and in your life think about how many friends you've had and think about how many friends have left your life whether they left your life by moving left your life by uh, passing away dying uh, they left their uh, left your life because there was an offense an issue an argument and I want you to think about every single time an opportunity left you or you lost an opportunity every single time you've lost a relationship or somebody left you every single time somebody said hey I don't want to walk with you anymore. I want you to think about the emotional, mental, spiritual pain that that caused. It stung. Even if you're a hard-hearted person, it stings a little bit. Even if you um, are a very you know, distant person, maybe you're reclusive, introverted, and you don't have a lot of relationships, it probably hurts even the more because you already don't have a lot of relationships. So if one leaves, it can be excruciating. It can be painful. I want you to think about that pain. Think about losing a boyfriend, losing a girlfriend. I want you to think about losing a parent. I want you to think about losing a sibling because whenever we lose something, there will be grief. There will be a process of grieving, um, a process of freeing yourself from the responsibility, not necessarily of caring for that person, but creating space in your life for that person. Every person that is in your life has space in your heart, space in your mind, space in your proximity or your presence. Every single person in your life has a seat at the table. And when that person leaves your life, there's an empty seat. And that empty seat will cause you to question so much about yourself, so much about life. And honestly, so much about God and our questions about God don't change his character it doesn't change his omnipotence or his preeminence and so he is not threatened by our questions but our questions can scare us um, and sometimes it's pain sometimes it's grief sometimes it's loss that really makes us begin to ask important questions and it's those questions that reveal our level of trust in God our level of trust in people and our level of trust in ourselves. And so um, I didn't start the process of grieving when I found out she passed away. I, I started the process of grieving the moment I felt like, you know, there was a chance that um, uh, that this could, you know, turn for the worse. Or uh, when I kind of saw that she had her foot out the door. Um, I got my I got my start in ministry. I don't want to say I got my start in ministry. Um, but uh, I got saved in 2004. I'm not going to tell you how old I was. Uh, after I got saved, um, my life sped up. 
I mean, I got saved in 2004. I was preaching in 2005. I was traveling in 2006. And in 2007, uh, we started a Bible study at Clayton State University here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in Clayton County. And um, and honestly, I'm, I'm not going to make it seem like it was some phenomenon and it was this massive revival on a college campus, but it kind of was. I mean, uh, we had people from all over uh, coming. I'm talking about people were traveling from other colleges and other campuses to be a part of our campus ministry or just to come for the campus service. I mean, we had praise and worship. We had musicians. We had miracles. We had deliverance. It was amazing. Um, most of the leaders that we have right now in our church, shout out to them uh, just for their loyalty and their faithfulness and their consistency, are still with me today. Most of the leaders that I had in college ministry formed the base and the foundation for our leadership in our church. And so uh, most of my qualitative relationships, most of my covenant relationships, my long-term relationships began when I started to do college ministry. But college ministry taught me something very, very early on in ministry. Um, and it's a lesson that I think I, I wouldn't want anybody to have to learn this lesson. I don't I don't I, I don't want anybody to have a profession where they have to constantly learn to lose people. Uh, but if you're a doctor. You have to constantly, you have to learn how to constantly lose people. If you're a police officer, you have to know how to constantly lose people. A nurse, EMS, um, a counselor, teacher, right? I'm thinking about a teacher. You come in, uh, you see a, a student come in when they're in ninth grade and you see them go through the vicissitudes of life and the evolution of their own authenticity. And then they graduate and they're gone. And uh, you realize while you were important, you only served a purpose. And when that purpose is up oh my god that thing can hurt uh that thing can that that thing can hurt you to your core it can make you question your confidence question your calling question you know your role um in life in general uh let alone just your part in their life and so i learned very on uh very early on in college ministry that number one people were not mine that they could come and go as they please. Uh, uh, they 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 could choose their level of commitment towards me, but I couldn't necessarily choose my level of commitment towards them. Every single person that came into my Bible study, I had to be committed to giving them the truth of the Word of God, being honest with them, praying for them. So my level of consistency towards the people, um, or my level of commitment towards the people was consistent, but their level of commitment towards me weren't always consistent. They came when they wanted to. If they didn't want to come, if they had a, a test midterm, they wouldn't come. They gave when they wanted to, regardless of where we were financially, regardless of what we needed. They didn't have to commit their money, so they sold when they wanted to, and they left when they wanted to, whether they got um, an opening, an opportunity at another college, whether they were moving or uh, switching states, whether they were entering a degree program or just naturally graduating. Um, I had to deal with the fact that I was not the most important person in their life. And I want you to understand something about Brian Meadows. If there's anything that bugs me, <laughs> it's the fact that I'm not the most important person in your life. I think that I should be the most important person 
in your life. And I know that's vain and that's a problem that I have. I'm the most extroverted introvert you will ever meet in your life. I don't like people, but I want people to love me. I don't like crowds, but I want crowds to love me. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I can be honest, right? This is my podcast. This is the Angry Pastor podcast. This is where we're honest. No, right? No facade, no fakeness, no phoniness, no mask. We are being honest. And if I was honest, yeah, I want to be the most important person in everybody's life that I meet because I know that if I'm the most important person in your life, I'm, t- I'm not talking about, you know, uh, usurping God's authority. I ain't, I ain't talking about being your husband, your man or nothing like that. I'm just saying that, you know, I believe that, you know, I believe that I have the goods to be followed. And I believe that anybody that follows me, if they follow me to a T, I believe that their life will irrevocably be made better. The quality of their life will increase. And like, why would you leave me? Like, are you crazy? I'm the best pastor that you will ever meet. I'm understanding. I'm loving. I'm going to give you the truth in love. I understand humanity. I'm never going to be holier than thou. I'm going to give you grace, but I'm going to be like, 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 why would you leave? But I had to realize that people weren't leaving always because of me. Sometimes people were leaving because of the opportunity. They needed the job. They were going through life and they couldn't pay their bills. And it had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with God. They were making a decision that was best for them. I had to realize that it wasn't all about me. Sometimes people needed to go to another school because that school had the program that they needed, that that school had the degree that they needed. And so I had to divorce myself from this personal feeling of rejection when somebody would leave. I had to divorce myself from this personal feeling of responsibility when somebody would leave. I had to realize I don't control nobody's decisions. And I like that. I like the fact that I'm not the center of a person's life. I like the fact that people aren't so dependent on me that every decision they make has to go through me. They, they need my permission. I like that. I don't understand these pastors or spiritual fathers that feel like you got you to gotta get there okay for every decision you make in life. If you want to change your hair, if you want to get, uh, 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 well, you know, whatever you want to do with your body. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but if you want to get a tattoo, piercing, if you want to go have a drink, if you want to do, it's like, I got to talk to my pastor. I got to talk. Now, hear me. I do believe in accountability. I do believe in spiritual accountability. I do. 100%. I do. I do believe that if you're going to get a house, you should involve spiritual leadership in that decision. Not saying that they should control that decision, but any major move like that is going to have an effect on your mental, emotional and spiritual state. And without mental, emotional and spiritual guidance and counseling, you can make the wrong decision. I do believe if you're going to get a new car, if you're going to get a new job, if you're going to get a new man or woman, if you're trying to get married, if you're going from one state to another state, I do believe you should involve your pastor in that. Don't get a new car and don't let your pastor to bless it. Don't get a new house and don't let your pastor bless it. Don't enter a relationship and not get wisdom from the people that you trust and people that have have been investing time and wisdom, impartation, spiritual principles into you. Why would you make a decision without asking for their input? But sometimes I know that pastors can be a bit heavy handed with that uh, level of accountability. Sometimes pastors can be a bit controlling, manipulative, and they can be a bit witchy. Yeah, sometimes pastors can. I've heard stories of pastors 
uh, telling the congregation to fast. And of course, when they told the congregation to fast, they were telling their uh, married couples don't have sex. And uh, they were telling men, hey, if she want to have sex, let me know. Or telling the women, if you want to have sex, let me know. Like what type of stuff is that? You must be out of your mind. Hear me. I'm a pastor. I, I, I want to be important to you. I want to give you spiritual authority. I want to give you spiritual wisdom. I want to lead and guide you by the Holy Spirit. I want God to use me to activate your gifts and pull out your potential. But please, bruh, I don't want, I don't want to know nothing going on in your house unless it's affecting your mental, emotional, or spiritual state and you need guidance. I'm not saying I don't do marriage counseling, but bruh, bruh, like, I don't know what type of freaky pastors these are that they feel like they want control of people's bedrooms. Like what you do in your bedroom, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. You, God, and the person that's in your bedroom. If that thing starts to affect you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I will give you counsel. But hear me. Hey. Weird stuff, man. So I, I had to free myself from this feeling of personal rejection and responsibility when people would make a decision um, to either leave for whatever reason they left for. I learned this in college ministry. I learned that, 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 that my, my commitment had to be consistent based on God's word and my responsibility in their life, not based on how I liked them. Y'all following me? Not based on how I saw them. Because even if they had a bad reputation, I had to have the same level of commitment to them. And it's funny how parishioners and congregants level of commitment towards the man or the woman of God will change based on reputation, based on hear hearsay, based on what they hear in the streets. They'll stop coming to church based on what they heard in the parking lot. They'll stop coming to church and hear me because of because of the way soul ties work and, and, and because of the way and y'all, I don't have time to get into the whole spiritual part of it, but every soul has a rhythm okay the spiritualists call it a vibration uh that rhythm is the foundation of the cadence of your voice that rhythm is the foundation of the rhythm of your day or the routine of your day that 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 vibration or that rhythm is the cause or the foundation of all of your habits your cycles have you ever noticed that you know your life while it may have you know different random events you may have to go to different restaurants but by and large your life is held together by similar situations or by similar things like you do the same thing every day and that brings a sense of normalcy and a sense of stability in our life we wake up at a certain time we take a shower and we brush our teeth and we we do certain things and we fight to maintain many of those rhythms uh when we go through life when we go through traumatic events uh those events actually because they're so impactful they shape or we rewire or reprogram our rhythms all of us we have a rhythm and that rhythm is an amalgamation of every event and experience we have ever went through that vibration pattern or the way your spirit moves the the unique signature or the unique vibration of your spirit is what we would call your authenticity that's your swag that's your vibe right and when you find some Somebody that has a similar wave pattern uh one of the reasons that y'all connect is because y'all vibe together or y'all have similar soul patterns y'all have similar uh and again and i'm not getting i'm not trying to be spooky spiritual occultic um because all of this 
these are spiritual principles, all right, in the spiritual world. Now, there is a king of the spiritual world called Jesus Christ. He became king of kings because he defeated every other deity in the spiritual world. They don't have power against him, but the spiritual world is real. And many times you will hear spiritual principles, uh, spiritual philosophy, spiritual practices. You will hear them void of Christ. And so what I'm talking about is not void of Christ. Even though these are spiritual principles that are replete and that are consistent um, throughout the spiritual world, whether it's Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, whatever. While, while, while these principles may be consistent throughout the spiritual world, it needs to be known that the only power that can legislate spiritual law is, of course, Elohim and his adjutant, Jesus Christ. So I'm just making that. I'm just I'm just saying that. So you don't think that I'm trying to be a cultic or just spiritual without being Christian. I'm not. But I do want to explain spiritual things in a way that you can understand it and not use Christianese or church language because you might not be a Christian listening to this. All right. But our spirit has a certain wave pattern, has a certain vibration. Everything in the earth has vibrations. If you go all the way down to molecules and atoms, electrons and protons and so forth and so on, all of those are moving and they move in distinct patterns, which make, quote unquote, their wavelength. And it's, it's through their wavelength that we identify them. It's through your wavelength or the outworking of your vibration, your habits, your speech, what you do, your actions, that we identify you. When you find Find people with similar wave patterns while they may while, while they may like different things they will have a certain rhythms that will allow them to fit into certain relationships with certain people now i'm saying that to say when you form a soul tie it is not just a tie it's also the weaving together of rhythms you can i'm saying all that to say watch me y'all you can tell when somebody rhythm changes are you following what I'm saying? Even if y'all are still hanging out, even if y'all are still going to lunch, even if y'all are still, you know, serving on the same ministry team, you can tell when somebody been talking about you. Man, I feel like preaching. You can tell when somebody's been offended at you, when somebody's heart has changed towards you because that rhythm is off. You following me? You start feeling like, why we ain't vibing? Why we not connecting? Why doesn't it seem like, you know, we're seeing, you know, eye to eye? I'm doing the Martin fingers, you know? Why, why, why does it seem like we're not seeing eye to eye? And it's usually because something happened. They had a conversation. Because remember, conversations are the outworking of rhythm. And when you start talking to different people, your rhythm going to change. Your vocabulary going to change. And so I'm not just thinking about scent and spirit. I'm thinking about vibration and rhythm. Husband, when you see a woman's rhythm change, something has entered her wavelength. Woman of God, when you see a man's rhythm has changed, their pattern has changed, how they operate, what they do, that's a sign that something, and it, it doesn't always mean it's a person. It could just be a thought because thoughts are rhythms, right? Have you ever noticed you have the same type of thoughts and those thoughts, if you time them, actually work by schedule? They say that men think about sex like every six to 12 seconds. Women think about security so many times a day. You know, all of these different types of things. But thoughts work on rhythms. And new thoughts change your rhythm. This is why every time God gives a, a word, you have to receive that word. So that that word can change your rhythm or rewire you or renovate you. Romans chapter 12. Now, I'm saying that to say, when I was in college, I had to learn how to let people go. And as pastors... 
as hard as it is to admit as messed up as it is to admit we serve and we um we pastor we lead in an arena where betrayal abandonment and exits illegal exits immature exits and sometimes flat out wicked exits we have to constantly contend with and so i wanted to really kind of you know utilize uh and use this episode to talk about the grief of a pastor while i'm going through grief in the natural you know uh in my family space pastors have to deal with grief every single day you know it's interesting uh probably about i don't know maybe two months ago I probably had the most people leave my church that has ever left my church. I'm talking about I got email after text, after letter, after email of people saying, I'm gone. I'm gone. Now, 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 now some of them weren't bad. Some of them were just like, Pastor, my season is up. I feel like I've kind of reached my peak. And I'm thinking, you hear me. There is one thing you can never do around me. And that's reach my peak or reach your peak. Because as you're growing, I'm constantly growing, and churches are constantly growing. And the ministries we may not have today that you think you need, we're going to have tomorrow. And many times when, you, when you're in a house, let me just say this, many times when you're in a church and they don't have a ministry that you need, you might be actually called to birth it and to help build it. But people are so consumer-driven. They don't want to help develop a program. They just want the program to benefit them. And hear me, if you're on this if 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 you if if you're on this podcast, if you are if you are a Christian and you're in a church, stop complaining about what your church does not have, because you might be there to solve that problem. Well, I don't already told them. I told them we need this. Well, nobody's gonna listen to you, listen to you if you say it like that. Nobody's gonna listen to you if if you only ever bring up the problem. Create the create the solution. Why don't you do some work? But well, they ain't paying me. That's exactly why you will never do it. Why don't you create a plan and say, Pastor, we could do this, 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 this. And they don't all need to be event based. If hear me, if your plan, if the only way your plan can work is if I become broke, that's not a plan. Where is your investment? Where is your involvement? Are you just coming up with the plan and we supposed to execute it? That's not the way it's supposed to work. I'm just saying that sometimes people leave because We don't have something that they need. Hey, I want training in the supernatural. I want training in money or I want training in whatever. And it's like, yeah, we can do that. But understand there are life cycles of revelation. We can't teach on the prophetic 24-7, 365. We can't teach on the apostolic every single day of the week. You need to learn about money. You need to learn about emotional management. You need to learn about relationships. So I have to structure your doctrinal diet throughout the year and get this you'll get what you're looking for if we walk together but if you leave before you're satisfied pastors have to deal with this constantly a couple months ago i'm talking about i got letters left and right some of them were good some of them were not so good and it's amazing to me how people leave and they want to let you know the problems then. Like, why are you telling me that now? 
only if you if you've already made a decision to leave, go. But there's no reason for you to leave and while you're on your way out the door. And just so you know, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. I didn't, what if I said I ain't like you? Can I, can I tell y'all something? Come on, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a pastor. Half of the people that leave, you've been waiting for them to go. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all. Let's be honest. Sometimes this is what Jesus said. Jesus was sitting at a table with his disciples. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus has been walking around with Judas for three years and Judas foot already been out the door. And like I told you, I didn't start grieving my aunt when she died. I started grieving uh, my aunt when I knew that she had one foot out the door. And pastoring is the only profession that you have to be able to grieve the moment people join you. God help us, man. Y'all, I feel that thing in my soul, man. The moment people say, hey, pastor, I'm with you, you already start grieving. It's like pastors have to live in a state of constant grief. Because at any moment, you could get up and leave us. And I want you to understand something. And pastors, if you are on this uh, 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 podcast, I need to give you permission and I need to empower you. I need to encourage you. But hear me. You do not have to be threatened by people leaving you. You should not be threatened by people leaving you. Pastors are held hostage daily at the threat of somebody leaving. Pastor, if I don't get this position, I don't know what I'm, I'm just going to have to go find another church. People offended. People don't like your, your pastoral leadership. People don't like your vision. And every day you have to live with the threat of them leaving. Man, I wish I had a bleep button. All right? But hear me, leave. This is what Jesus said to Judas. Jesus said, Jesus said, whatever you're going to do, do quickly. And my thing is, if you're already halfway out the door, why, why, why do I got to look at your sad face every day? Why do I got to look at your disgruntled face every day? Why do you have to come to church or come to the meeting, come to the business meeting? Why are you my friend if you don't want to be friends? Leave. Go. But we cannot minister effectively living under the threat of somebody leaving us. And this is why the moment you join, we already start grieving. I remember um, my first pastor. Phenomenal, phenomenal man of God. I love him still to this day. And our relationship didn't end in a good way. I'm not going to go through it because um, in hindsight, I'll take all of the blame. I'll say that it was my fault. Um, I can be honest and say that I don't think I was handled correctly. But at the same time, I don't think I was abused or anything like that. But he was a phenomenal man of God. Uh, I got saved. I moved into his house. Him, his wife, his entire family embraced me. They have a phenomenal church. And I still think about them almost literally every week, every other day, something like that. But some stuff happened. And literally, y'all, I'm going to tell you this story at another time. But I became churchless and homeless in one day. 
I became churchless and homeless in one day. Uh, but while I was there, I was there for almost four years, and uh, it was amazing. I learned so much about ministry. I learned so much about life. And this man was really the first man that taught me about manhood. And I remember one day we were working on a podium. We were actually building a podium from scratch. Um, this is what he did. I mean, he built so much stuff and painted and all of that. That's how I learned some of that stuff. But we were building a podium. And while we were building a podium, this lady walked by. And when she walked by, she said, Pastor, I just love this church. I want to let you know I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying with you. That's what she said. Literally. Just we're down. I mean, like we're on all four. We're on hands and knees, like building stuff. And uh, she walks by and just like, Pastor, I got you. I'm with you, Pastor. That's what she said. And when she walked out the door, my pastor said to us under his breath, like real, real low. My pastor said, she'll be gone in a week. Maybe not a week. He said something like, she'll be gone in a month. Real low, like whispered it. Please, she'll be gone. She'll be out of here. She ain't going to make it. And I'm thinking, why would he say that? And sure enough, y'all, it was a few months and this woman was gone. He told me something. He said, I don't ever trust somebody that says they'll always be with me. Now, I don't necessarily know if I believe that. All right. Um, I'm not saying that that's true. Maybe that's his experience. But I will say it does give you cause to pause. Right. It does make you a bit weary when people or, or a bit leery. It makes you a bit nervous when people say, I'm going to always be with you. And you think you don't come to church consistently to always be with me. What you talking about? We ain't been through no adversity. Hear me. You don't know if a person is loyal until they have every right and reason to leave you and they don't leave. My pastor said, she'll be gone before long. And he was right. <sighs> All pastors are looking for are die hard, ride or die. We got your back. Everything may not be good. We may not always like it, but we ain't leaving. Now, again, there are some great reasons to leave, and I'm going to do a podcast on how to leave your church properly. Trust me, I am. But you get a new job, you marry, you got to go away, do ministry. Well, you know, I get there are legitimate reasons to leave. But it doesn't change the fact that it hurts. And sometimes I don't think that parishioners, I don't think that congregants understand that. They're just thinking about them. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this church. I'm ready to go. And it's like, do you know how much time it took for us to connect? How much time it took for us to create the relationship? It took us years to create the relationship and you can leave just like that? It makes us feel worthless. It makes us feel helpless. <sighs> how do you preach and encourage encourage people or how do you preach to the same people you're grieving over leaving it's a weird thing man it's a hard thing and i'm not saying that i have it all figured out you know i grew up uh around gangs um 
Uh, my best friends, two of my best friends, Stefan and Marquise, both were killed. Um, my brother was in a gang. Um, I mean, you know, our house has been broken into more times than I can count. You know, I mean, I've lost stuff and I've lost people. I've lost close friends, family members. My uncle just passed earlier this year. My uh, my dad's only brother. I lost my uncle. I lost my mom's brother, I think around like 1994 or so. Uh, he died in a car accident. That was probably one of the most horrific losses that we ever encountered as a family. I've lost things. And it hurts. It's hard. But when people die, they die. You don't look up and see them at another person's church on Instagram. When people die, that's it. It's finished. You have to start the grieving process. But it's hard for you to grieve when you look up and these people saying the same thing about you or saying the same thing about their new pastor that they said about you. I never leave. You the best pastor. You got the best revelation. You so anointed. You just said that about me. Grieving. Grieving. What is grieving? Grieving is the process of giving up, letting go, the peace of that person that you had that kept you connected with them and connected to them while they were alive. A soul tie. Grieving is like literally letting go of the afterbirth. When you birth something, there's what we call afterbirth. That afterbirth was like the sack that kept life in the thing that was in you. It was feeding the thing. It was keeping it alive. And when the baby comes out, there's no longer reason for the afterbirth. There's no longer reason for the placenta or the, you know, that sack. There's no longer, there's no longer reason for you to carry it. As a matter of fact, you keep carrying it. It can become toxic. So it is with birthing. So it is with death. When a person dies, there's still a piece of them in you. There's a part of them in you. And it's still there because their life was snatched. It was literally, it was, it was just pulled out from under you. It wasn't like you guys were able to always say your goodbyes before they died. Or your goodbyes before they left the church. Or your goodbyes before they got offended at you. It's not like you can always address the speed of the disconnection. So sometimes people are just snatched out of your life. Whether it's because they move, get offended, uh, betray you, or... Or they pass away. But when somebody is snatched out of your life, there is still a piece of them in you. Or still a piece of them in your heart, mind, and soul. And grieving is not the process of forgetting. But grieving is the process of healing. Because after somebody comes, after somebody is pulled out of your life, there's a wound there. And if that wound isn't treated properly and correctly, it can become bitter resentful the pus of perversion will build up and you will go to alcohol drugs and sex to deal with the pain of loss I know some people they lost people and literally it's been 30 years and they still cry every time it's their birthday they haven't been able to process the grief. They've not been able to let it go. And again, letting go is not the process of forgetting. But it is the process of your emotions healing and having the right perspective of death and loss. 
Jesus said, man that is born of woman is of a few days and is full of trouble. Loss is a part of life. You should be able to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually handle it. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it happen faster. But I, but I do think it's going to make you better. Grief. We all have to deal with it. But I want you to know how, how much pastors have to live in this constant state of grief. You don't think it hurts us when you leave? You don't think it affects us when you write us that email, that letter, or that text? Did you not think about that? Hear me. This is what I want you to take from this podcast. The next time you want to leave an organization, the next time you want to leave a church, and God forbid, the next time you want to leave a spiritual father, mother, spiritual authority, pastor, woman of God, man of God, the next time you want to leave... While you're writing the letter or before you write the letter, before you write the email, before you send the text, I want you to think, if I was, if you were dying, how would you say bye to somebody? Would you rehearse all the bad? Would you tell them I'm leaving because of A, B, and C? Or would you say, you know what? I want to let you know that our time together has been meaningful. I want to let you know that the time I've spent at this church has changed my life. It has increased me. Think about that. Think about if you leave with an attitude, how do you think your pastor is going to look at you for the rest of your life or for the, for the rest of the time he knows you? He's going to say, that woman is crazy. That man is rebellious. How do you leave? Pastor, be encouraged, man. Woman of God, be encouraged. It hurts. And you don't have to be strong. When somebody leaves your church, you can let it hurt. It's okay. When somebody leaves your life after you've spent years pouring into them, years counseling them, years imparting to them, preaching to them, baby dedication, funeral, hospital, all of this stuff. If they can walk away after all of that, hear me, let them walk away. Let them walk away. All right. Y'all, this is the Angry Pastor Podcast. Uh, This is definitely supposed to be more of a a social commentary than uh, a time for me to preach. But I do I do think that because of the nature of the subject and because of um, just how hard it can be dealing with loss and grieving, not just people that are dying, but people that have betrayed you, left you. It can be hard. So I'm actually going to end this particular podcast with a prayer. If this is too spiritual for you, you can go ahead and cut it off now. I love you. I appreciate you. Make sure you share this with somebody. You don't know what people are going through, especially pastors. Share this with every pastor that you know. But if you will allow me just one minute to pray for you, to bless you, to ask the Lord to empower and to strengthen you, I want to do that. All right. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, we bless you and we thank you and we honor you uh, for your immutability. You're the God that changes not. While seasons may change, while heaven and earth shall pass away, while the flower may fade, 
While the grass may wither, you remain the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There is no shadow of turning in you. You are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should ever have to repent, change your mind, or change your word. And so because of that, Father, we trust you. As our feelings may change, as we, as we go through the vicissitudes of life, as we vacillate back and forth, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, you remain the same. We want to be like that wise man that built his house upon the rock. So that when the winds and the waves and the rain came, we still remained. Father, you are one of the only consistent things in our life. People may come and people may go. But you gave us a promise that you would be there with us even until the end of the age, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, that is what we stand on. That is what we trust. And that is our confidence. So Father, even during this season of grief and loss, hurt, offense, betrayal, we ask that you would be our comforter and that you would be our guide. The Lord is our shepherd. We won't desire anything outside of your will. We will delight ourselves in you. And we're asking that you would give us the right desires. Give us strength. Give us endurance. And give us spiritual stamina. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Again, this has been the Angry Pastor Podcast. Y'all know what we always say, be angry, but sin not. It's okay to express yourself. It's okay to tell the truth. Just tell the truth in love. All right. I appreciate y'all. Do me a favor. Share this. Subscribe. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.